In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. On this Sunday, which falls after the Feast of the Elevation of the Precious and Life-Giving Cross, we are presented with probably some of the strongest words of our Savior that apply to us now, to each of us now, and present to us the most important choice that any human being can make. Are we to choose suffering that has no purpose or meaning and true freedom? The way of decay or the way that leads to life everlasting? This is what the Word, our Lord, that created the universe, Jesus Christ, speaks to us today. The God-man tells us that we have a choice in what we do with the suffering that we experience in this life. Christ presents us a word that can open up to us the glory of God, not just for some other time or simply for some age to come, but also for our life right now. Suffering can be transfigured into more than pain and psychological turmoil and trauma. This word is this from our Lord. Whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Christ presents to us a principle that is so very often hidden to us. I know personally that it can be far easier to only understand the world by what I can see right in front of my eyes. What can be measured, what can be marked and accounted for, and best if I can control it somehow. It is easiest to see only this one-sided vision by which I try to understand the world around me and chalk everything else up to another perspective. Yet Christ today is saying that there is much more to the universe that he created. There is much more to it than what we so very often take to be the sum and total of existence. It is typical to see sufferings and freedom as opposites that never meet. We attempt to gain what we call freedom in various ways. Almost all of them fail us. We become caught up in, say, political intrigue or a simple argument or the fleeting pleasure of having the winning argument and the last word. Perhaps you do this online or with a coworker or with your spouse or against someone in the church herself. This is really just the passion of pride that we are draping over our heart to hide ourselves and not have true freedom. We may do this by the attention that we give to our body and its supposed needs and making it just so to gain attention from others. Perhaps if for you it is the concern for the latest fashion or the most eye-catching outfit that turns heads as you walk by or getting the most likes and responses to that post so perfectly worded, this is really the passion of vanity we are draping over our hearts and hiding from the reality and true freedom. We may do this by turning the majority of our attention to business ventures, to gain more money, power over others perhaps. This is really the passion of avarice we are draping over our hearts and hiding ourselves. This is all a gross and low materialism that we so often call our freedom especially in this country. Beloved, this is turning our heart and, into, and even in some, their whole person 
into a glaring billboard or a pop-up ad for the passion. But my friends, your heart is a living organ that can receive the grace and power of God. If you attempt to inoculate it to suffering by what I have spoken about, you will cut yourself off from what leads to the redemption from the meaningless world and keep doing these things that make it seem even more meaningless. This focus on things of this world in the end brings us to nothing. These are all passing things. If we attach to them, we too become a passing thing. We will lose our life if we let these lowly concerns take over our lives. Christ is teaching us today that all these materially focused attempts to save your life will cause you to lose your life. If you are willing, Christ says today, you can receive a vision of things beyond this limiting, materialistic perspective and begin to experience all things made new. You will experience healing as a new creation and even begin to experience the giving up of your life, which many of us identify with all of these things that I've spoken about, as actually the loving acts of God for you. We all want to feel that we are living in the best way, having a good life. And God is teaching us with this reading today that this desire is not wrong. This is how he made us, to desire what is good. We desire to have a good life because he created us to desire this. Yet the world is broken. We are broken creatures. And we, because we are yet to be healed, yet to be fully renewed, are often, more often than not, mistaken by what is truly good. So we chase all the wrong things and in all the wrong ways. Whenever we focus primarily on the cares of life, we are actually killing the soul in some way and feeding it in some sense the poison of a purposeless action. There's no purpose to what we are doing, no higher purpose at least. It is the way of death when we do this. It is a death dealing because every pursuit the world of the, toward the world which ignores God will have no eternal participation in him, no lasting joy, no real fulfillment. God honors our will to ignore him. Only that which bring, we bring to him will be healed and then have everlasting life. When we do not ask for his grace or seek the way of Christ, that Christ teaches us to act and don't act in those ways in something, it is like drawing a picture in the sand on a seashore where the waves of time and the unhindered steps of others erase and stamp out all that we do. I'm sure every one of you has experienced some pain of some effort or beloved thing being washed out of your life. Important things that to you are kept only in your fading memory. This is the way of merely earthly existence. It is a shadow that people will only, will later not recognize. They won't even see what the shadow is. But today, Christ presents in that beautiful phrase that opened up this homily of our Lord, what is called an antinomy. And that's what he presents to us. Two seemingly contradictory truths are held up and sustained in tension without them annihilating one another, without the, each one of them negating the other. 
And this is given as the answer to our predicament. The cross of Christ is that answer. The cross is the bridge from the truth of our inevitable death in this world and the truth that God lo God's love causes us to live forever. The cross is the response of God to all your desires and the instrument by which your heart is made alive and prepared for the eternal life with the Holy Trinity. Christ says to us today, take up the cross of your suffering and follow me. This can be very hard to hear. I know my immediate reaction when I hear these words, even to this day, is I don't want to do that. God, can you fix it all for me without me doing anything? You are omnipotent after all. Can't you just make it right so I can carry on as usual? And that's the kicker, though, isn't it? I would not be different. I would not have repented or truly given myself over to God and trusted in him if I were to respond to him in that way. Or every time I do respond to him in that way, I'm left to my own devices, unchanged. I would have only tried to use God as some divine fix-it-all tool. This is why the answer our Lord gives us is not a simple yes to my desire for him to just fix it all. I would be a robot and not a person, or worse, a man desiring something unholy or even evil if I were to approach God that way. But God doesn't want a robot, nor does he want us to be main, remain slouching toward hell. He wants to have a loving relationship with a living person. But by, by the word today, our Lord is saying that we can run to the kingdom through the way of the cross. And it's the cross that fills our suffering, aims it toward eternal life, and establishes this divine communion of creature and creator. Our God loves us too much to simply make it right without our participating in the very making it right. Rather, Christ's answer to the world that has denied him is to rather enter it fully. He enters our broken world and fills what is broken with grace. And then he tells us this, if you wish to save your life, follow me, I am the life giver. We will not find lasting fulfillment and joy in what we are seeking in any of the pursuits of the world. None of those immediate fixes. Those are only of this temporary world and, sever, and serve only its limited purposes. Do not give your heart over to these things, my brothers and sisters. We forfeit true and eternal life by pursuing these things without a thought of Christ. Count the cares of this world and even your very flesh is meaningless without Christ giving them meaning. Christ is saying, you follow me and be healed, and with each healing that takes place, the world is made more just and more righteous. That is the reality of the high calling of humanity that we often forget or even ignore. Humanity is called to redeem the world that is broken by participation in it for the sake of Christ. If you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, you will save it.
suffering and death, those are universal experiences of, of humanity. Yet they, are, they by themselves offer us nothing. But a person that freely takes up suffering that he is experiencing for the sake of Christ and the gospel is being saved for eternity and saving creation with him. How can it be that the world is saved through suffering? I know I often ask myself this. And as I was preparing this homily, I found this line from St. Theophilus. And he teaches this, that all people suffer and have crosses in their life. That's not really a choice that we have. And he says this, the Lord added the crucifixion, in the crucifixion, something else. That one ought to have virtue in suffering. For this is what it means to follow me. So by the Lord's very act of choosing suffering for the sake of the rest of us, for the rest of humanity, he changed what suffering can do for us. That we can be in it for the sake of Christ, that is, to have virtue. And then we become like him and become truly Christians in that way. Christ asked us to participate with him in our healing and the healing of the world by becoming people who enter into suffering willingly, our own and that of others, to be healed. This is what virtue is and means. It is strength to do what is right, no matter the worldly consequence. Christ did not manipulate anyone to take up their cross. That's not what we hear today. However, if we only wish to take it up, then Christ helps us to have virtue, to have the strength, and then healing begins with us. We must, at the very least, wish and desire to lose our life for Christ's sake, and then Christ will save it. We must ask for and gain virtues in and through the suffering that may be present, to be formed for eternal life to come. Virtue is the writing of God carved into the tablet of your soul by the cross of Christ. Virtue is not like the passions that stick to us and deform us and use us, covering up our heart, unable to see God. That's what passion is. Virtue, rather, goes deep and lasts beyond the temporary turmoil of this world. Virtue shapes and forms the person to be an everlasting being in the likeness of God. When we take up the cross and follow Christ, we lose the life of temporal things, egoistic pursuits, in order to gain the eternal life in and of Christ. There is no other way than to, than to exchange this world for the next by the virtues we gain through the crosses that we take up in this life. To take up your cross, to take up suffering, when it comes and not attempt to erase it from our lives is how we participate with Christ. We lay down our worldly life and enter into Christ's life. It is only in the cross that the crucifixions and pains that are inevitable in this life gain a purpose. We are able to enter eternity and joy that is beyond all worldly concerns, and that is what is born in you by that very action. So let us close with one more point. The promise of eternity is not a gamble with a reward after death. For Christ says, 
this to us as well today. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Christ says this, and in the Gospels, the transfiguration account follows. So we can read it and leave it there. But the church does not continue on with the rest of the verses in the Gospel. We hear this today, and the church is teaching us that that is a promise given to each and every one of us, that some in our midst will see and taste the kingdom of God come with power. So this transfiguration happens for us by entering the way of Christ, that is, taking up our crosses, and they will also begin to see the revelation of the age to come and even experience a foreshadowing of the second coming here and now. Those who do this become representatives of heaven to us, holy men and women that shine with the grace of Christ into the lives of all those around them. These holy people don't fix us immediately. Perhaps you can think of a time you've had an interaction with a holy person. They don't give you an immediate fix. They teach us, rather, how to follow our Lord better and to live for eternity. These are living elders and saints of our church. Read their stories and their teachings, and you will learn that the kingdom can be made manifest now, in the midst of the crosses here. You will also learn how even this how, how this is but a glimpse of what is to come. But it's a necessary glimpse. You will also learn how in these glimpses, these holy people shine forth with the pinnacles of virtue amidst their own suffering. And death, the death that we all live in, they will go past it. They do not only say with their mouth, but also with every facet of their being, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Some here in this room may be or may become these representatives of heaven here in this life. They live here in this world, but they live for the kingdom to come, and in some measure they live in it. May we glimpse it through them, and may the rest of us strive to manifest God here amidst us. Be present to the wounds in your life and those of your neighbor. Bear them and suffer with them for Christ, and count them as your way to be redeemed. Today, all those who are suffering and feel that God is far, come to the foot of Christ's cross. He knows your pain. He is out of abundant love for you, has come to enter that pain with you and make that cross which you bear already the bridge to everlasting joy. He is in the kingdom, and he is also preparing it for you. So, O Master of all things, and our life, help us to take up the cross given to us and by it gain the victory of the kingdom and the life of the age to come. Amen.